Met a girl downtown at the bar last night and we got to talking. Said she likes cheap drinks and tattoos and Morgan Wallen. She said, what about you? I said, I like late night bonfires, Yellowstone, Whiskey Myers, and lift the trucks with mud on the tires and I'm back. Feeling like a All right, buck, still welcome back, guys. Non-negotiable It's going to be our first official guest of the podcast. And what's awesome about it is just over a year ago, I did my first podcast. And it was it was funny because the timing was right before I left policing. And it was just to come on and shoot the shit and, and talk about cop stories and, and make people laugh and maybe give people an insight into, into what policing's like. And about a week or two later, I decided to go viral on, uh, on Instagram and the internet. And I guess the story was a little bit different, but it was, it was still good. Um, but yeah, so before I introduce my buddy here, um, we actually played hockey together about 21 or 22 years ago. Hey, yeah. In the hometown of Uxbridge, which is now our hometown together. And it was back when hockey was a little crazier. Like we, we managed to play in, in games where there was full blown bench brawls and players in the stands with their skates on. <laughs> right. Oh yeah. So, so th- this guy I'm about to introduce, we've known each other for about 20 plus years. And there was times where we probably didn't talk for many, many years, but it's, it's like one of those things where buddies you've played hockey with and, and you, you're, you're tight at one point and it sort of stays the same. Right. So without, uh, going on any longer we got trevor cox otherwise known as coxie in the <laughs> town of uxbridge he's a, a staple or what do you want to call it well i don't know some people have uh, referred to me as the unofficial mayor pillar of the community i mean i go on and on but uh coxie's good enough fuck i like i like it maybe you should run for mayor <laughs> i don't i don't think uh town council's ready for me i'm ready yes yeah, i know you are but i don't think town council is that's, that's okay the problem We'll push it on the podcast. Absolutely. Right? So Coxie, all right, so he's known as Coxie. Uh, he's got a few titles, all right, and it's, I love it. So we've got Dairy Farmer. Yeah. Right? That'd probably be the biggest, right? We, he's also the assistant coach of our local junior hockey team, the Uxbridge Bruins. He's also, and maybe this might actually be the most important, I think the boys might agree, he's the GM slash player coach, <laughs> president. Owner. <laughs> Owner, creator of the Mudmuckers Men's League Hockey Team that plays out of Oshawa. <laughs> the only league that'll allow us to play. We've run out of spots. Run out of spots to play. Yeah. I fucking I love it. Yeah. I love it. Also the host of the Cox Talks podcast, which I love. Huge fan. Uh, if you haven't listened to it yet, I would suggest to listen to it. It's sort of like a good outlet. You, it gets you away from life's, what do you mean life's nonsense? Even just what they push out in the world. It's, it's a good escape. It'll make you laugh. Um, it's a good change. If you haven't checked it out, I, I suggest you do that. He's also <laughs> the voice of the Uxbridge Fair oh, tractor pull. Yeah. Right? Is, is there like a smash-up derby or is the, it just a fucking... The tractor pull and the demolition derby. Yes, I do them both. I am <laughs> the voice of the Uxbridge Fair. So what is that mayor? I, I mean, why wouldn't we, really? Something why Count, council or uh, why wouldn't we? We should just. I mean, we've got the right people. Maybe we just stage a coup and get the current mayor out of office, and I'll just take over. I'm fucking down. I'll, I'll bring. I'll bring in a team. You'll be on that team. Don't worry. And so we'll if just I run, take over. If I run for my area, it's not yours, right? So we could take two. Correct. Yes, we could, <laughs> buddy. Fuck. Oh yeah. <laughs> could you imagine? <laughs> I love it. Um, 
so you know what? I, I know Coxie pretty well. We've obviously, we've played hockey together. Um, we're, we're finally again playing hockey together after I was allowed back in the arenas, which was, which, which was nice, right? After being banned for being a diseased human. That's right. Yeah. But I, buddy, I just want you to fucking give everybody a little bit of a background on yourself. Like I know you're a dairy farmer and I know you, you guys are entrenched in the community. Um, Coxland farms. Um, your mom has worked with my wife at the hospital. Yep. yep. So I, I obviously know you a bit better, but I'd love for, for my listeners to get, get to know you a bit more. Well, uh, yeah, uh, as you said, rapper Trevor Cox, everybody just knows me as Coxie, uh, young Coxie, little Coxie. Cause I do have an older brother. Um, but yeah, uh, generational Oxbridge family, uh, fourth, fourth, fifth, probably fifth generation Uxbridge family. Uh, dating back and then you know a lot of my relatives the the Rosses the Harrisons the Merricks uh, I mean they go back just as far if not further um, we we farm north of town my brother and I are fourth generation on what we call the home farm so um, in farming lingo anywhere that a farmer was born and raised that's quote unquote the home farm because as your farm and your business progresses Typically, if if the kids stay home to farm, obviously you start buying more and more farms in the area just to expand, right? To keep everybody happy, to keep all the mouths fed. So uh, fourth generation on our farm, and I believe, I'd have to double check with my dad, but I believe in 2026 or 2027, that, that section of land, that 100 acres, will have been in the Cox name for 100 years. That's awesome. Um, so the, the Coxes moved there in 1927, where we are now, what I call the home farm. But as I said, the Coxes have been farming for six, seven generations. So, uh, yeah, born and raised, uh, in town, uh, played a lot of minor hockey in town, played baseball in the summer, um, you know, 4-H groups, uh, farming groups, you name it. And, uh, yeah, graduated, played some, played some junior hockey with you here in town, rapper, and uh those yeah like you said those were always a time played five played parts of seven seasons actually with Uxbridge um had a little sabbatical from Uxbridge took us took a little sabbatical went out west lived out west for eight years loved it would go back there in a heartbeat came back home to to the motherland and you know got my feet back on the ground and decided you know it's maybe time to fucking grow up a little bit and uh here we are my brother and I have are slowly uh, but surely taking over the family farm, we're expanding it. Like you said, I'm involved. Uh, I've been coaching the Oxford Bruins now for five years. I've been, uh, I'm also assistant general manager now oh. as well. So, uh, so that was, that's been a little bit different for me as well. And yeah, just, you know what? Uh, I love Oxbridge. I love my hometown. Uh, it's tough to see it grow and become what it has become. But at the same time, if we didn't grow, we were going to be left behind in an awful hurry. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, you know what? I'm happy to be home. More importantly, I'm happy to be on the non-negotiable podcast. <laughs> I'm pumped. Right, I love it. I love it. So you mentioned you went out west. So, And you, you loved it. You said you'd go back in a heartbeat. But I'm guessing you came back for like tight ties to your family farm, right? Yeah. So, you know, and, and I've said this. I've, it's, I've made it very known. If we didn't have the family farm at home, I probably would have. I probably would have settled out there. Uh, I went out there in two thousand seven, 
And what it was, was, um, I mean, for a farm kid, a country kid, I grew up farming, obviously, but I, you know, you'd, you'd get the farming magazines and stuff and the farming newspapers as a little kid. And you'd see all these great big wide open fields and like big massive farm equipment and just farming on a completely different scale. And I was like, I want to go and do that. You know, it's it's weird. I grew up playing hockey. Canadian kids that grew up playing hockey, they all want to play in the NHL. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. I spent enough time out on the, the pond at the farm pretending I was Mark Messier or fucking Cam Neely or somebody. But I wanted to go and I wanted to be a big time farmer. Fuck yeah. And again, nothing against Duxbridge. It's kind of the old cliche. You know, I'd spent my whole life here. I'd looked at my dad and nothing against my dad. I mean, he's the hardest working guy I know. He, he ran a very successful business, but my dad left high school, started dairy farming. He doesn't travel. He does like, he just, he doesn't have any other hobbies or interests. And I didn't want to fall into that mold. So, and the other thing of it was too, was you grow up in Oxbridge, you play all your hockey in Oxbridge. And then all of a sudden, you know, hockey's over. You're going to the same bar on Friday nights, Saturday nights. It's the same people. It's the same bullshit, right? And I was just like, I need to change. I want to get out of here. I want to get out and do stuff and see things. Those things I want to do and see are in Western Canada. So that's where I'm going. So I found myself a job. And I mean, the other part of it is too, is even city kids, at some point in your life, you wanted to be a fucking cowboy. Yeah. Who doesn't want to be a fucking cowboy? Well, everyone wants to be ripped now. Everybody wants to be rip, right? right. Fucking right. Yeah. So I mean, and and that was part of it too. Was you know what? I wanna I wanna be a big time farmer. I wanna live in the wide open spaces. I wanna be a fucking cowboy. So I'm going to Alberta. So when you said, well, when I knew you went to Alberta, for some reason I just thought you went to the oil rigs or or whatever they call it. No. So you know you went and fucking yeah the, I. Yeah, You're a big farmer. I got myself a job on a farm, and uh, I mean, if you look at my Facebook pictures, whatever, if you know about about agriculture in general, I had uh, man, this place I worked like it was the bar, like they set the fucking bar. I was extremely lucky to get a job there. Not only get a job there, last as long as I did there because I was 23 years old when I went out there. I had a girlfriend. She moved out with me. That didn't last long. I, The biggest challenge was when I moved to Alberta, I knew one person in Alberta. That's really? it. I only knew one person. And he lived about half hour, 45 minutes. He lived right in Calgary. I lived south of Calgary down in High River. But, um, you know, for the first summer, for the first year, we we ran pretty hard just partying and drinking and banging broads and doing whatever, right? Doing what 23-year-old guys yeah, do. Absolutely. Um, and, you know, I would show up late for work or I'd call in sick or whatever. But the thing of it, part of the thing that was lucky was, I think, just my character. But I grew up on a farm, so I knew that, you know, it's one thing to call in sick in the middle of February. But that April, May, June, or September, August, or pardon me, September, October, um, so the early months when you're planting season or the, the later months when you're harvesting, you don't fucking call in sick. Like those are, you know what? You just tell your buddies, I'm unavailable in May. 
and I'm unavailable in September. Don't even call me. Don't think about calling me because the answer is no. But um, I was the youngest guy on the crew by like 20 fucking years. Really? So all the old guys, like I'd come in on a Monday morning. And the first thing we did every morning was we sat around the table. We had coffee. We kind of all decided what was happening that day. I'm going to go haul grain. I'm going to fix this tractor. I'm going to whatever, hide in the other shop and jerk off, right? Whatever. <laughs> but they would they would crowd around. They'd be like, so, Coxie, what'd you, what'd you get up to this weekend, you little prick? Like, what'd you get up to? And I would just, it would just be story time. And you know what? The, the crew loved it. The, even the boss would, he... He kind of sat in his office. We had a lunchroom, but his office was attached to the lunchroom. And you could hear him just fucking giggling about shit in there. But uh, yeah, I was pretty lucky. I, I worked on a big grain farm and I fucking loved every minute of it. I learned a lot out there too. Like a lot of farmers, a lot of farmers go off to ag college. I didn't do that. And you said you were going to get into it later, but I didn't go to ag college. I went to Alberta and I got paid to get my agricultural education in a different province, more or less. Almost like an apprenticeship, like doing the work right away. Pretty much, yeah. Because you went to school for uh, fucking, what the fuck was it again? I went to school for radio and television broadcasting. It's amazing. It's it's fucked. Well, it works with your, like the Derby and your, well, your podcast and fucking like you're a natural, like you're a talker, people fucking die, like you're a storyteller, right? It's yeah. Good. It works. Yeah. But I think it's, it's just fucking awesome that you go to school for something completely different, but then you go out west probably learn a shit ton and then bring all that experience back to town yeah like and the whole college thing like when i went away to college i was like yeah i want to get into broadcasting like i want to i want to do it and um it was like the first time ever i'd had good marks in school i this is the first time ever i went to school like i got i kind of got when i was in high school we still had grade 13 yeah and i kind of got kicked out slash I quit at the same time in grade 13 and that's a different story for a different day but um I went to college I was going to class I loved it and I was good at it but the problem what the problem was was uh in our third year it was a three-year course when so our third year we had to do an apprenticeship and I did an apprenticeship at a radio station and I made good friends with you know all the people that worked there and um I I spent a lot of time talking to the girl that was at the bottom of the totem pole and uh, she was telling me, you know, like what she made in a year mm-hmm. financially. And I was like, fuck, if I work an hourly wage on a farm, I will make that from June to September. Wow. And I was just like, no. And the other thing of it was too, like to get your start, you know, you need to go to like fucking tuck 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 in the Northwest Territories <laughs> and cut your teeth up there. And then you, you work your way up. To the big time. You don't go right to TSN? No. Like down at fucking... No, Sunday. not unless you're a fucking, you know, retired NHL player yeah. or NBA player or whatever. Yeah. No, those guys, you know, no training whatsoever. We'll just give you guys a fucking job. Having said that, they do have the expertise. Yeah, so also done it, right? Yeah, it's tit for tat. But yeah, and I was just like, no, fuck that. And sometimes I think I took the easy way out because I was like, fuck that. I don't want to work that hard for so little. Yeah. I'm like, I'll just stick to farming. Came home, worked at home for, for a year or two, worked at a big farm in Stouffville here, uh, close to Oxford for a year or two, and then just said, fuck this. Uh, I got to I gotta get out of here. Or I'm going to, or I'm going to like, I'm going to die here. Not that I was in a dark place or anything, but it's just like I said, you know, there's the old saying in dairy farming, you go to school 
you milk cows and then you die because those those dairy cows take so much fucking commitment they take more commitment than a fucking woman <laughs> and you just you don't have time to do anything else and well you mentioned that your dad never traveled is that just by choice or you just fucking you just worked so fucking hard that <laughs> call him a call him b like yeah. he he doesn't had my dad god love him i mean my dad's hobbies include dairy farming, going to Swiss Chalet, watching the fucking Leafs, and coming to Duxbridge Bruins games. Those are his four hobbies. He doesn't hunt. He doesn't fish. He doesn't golf. Um, he doesn't, I mean, when he was a kid, he played lots of sports, doesn't travel. Like he just, but he gets, he has, my dad has, I've, my dad has put his entire life into our family business like every ounce he's got he's put into it so he i mean he's gone away on vacation in the past for like three four days tops but he doesn't sleep he doesn't eat right he's just he's so worried he's he so nervous back. he gets anxious that and i don't know if it's if it's fear of missing out um if it's that something catastrophic is gonna go wrong if he's not there because he's very old school right Hands-on. Like, very hands-on. If it's not his way, it's not the right way. And, I mean, as as good as that can be, it's it's a fucking awful burden at the same time. But he just, he's uncomfortable when he leaves the farm. So, he always says he goes away on vacation and he comes back and he doesn't feel refreshed, rejuvenated or anything because he has spent his whole time vacationing stressed the fuck out. Yeah. And he can't deal with it. So he says, it's just easier for me to stay home. <laughs> He's got to love, though, that his two sons are going to take over, right? Or, or you know, well, gradually or... I think so. I mean, he, again, very old school, tough love, man. Fucking tough love. Like, and when you're a kid, sometimes you're like, God, dad, like, could you just like... You know, I, I remember, and I'm not trying to beat up on my dad here, and I'll, I'll explain in a bit, but like... I remember playing minor hockey in Oxbridge, and we went to Stouffville one night for a hockey game, and uh, we beat them four nothing. And I had four goals. I had all four goals. Fuck you, Chris Crothers. <laughs> I had all four goals. Okay, and we're driving home, and I'm feeling like I'm a big swinging dick, right? Like this is, uh, I think it was minor peewee, whatever age you are in minor peewee. And Dad never congratulated me. He never said good job, and part of me was like come on dad like i just fuck single-handedly beat our like our biggest rivalry right nothing and i was kind of pissy about it but i look back now and i'm a confident guy i have a fucking ego i'm very aware of it i'm pretty sure my dad was very aware of it when i was 10 or 12 so he wasn't gonna let me get too big for my britches yeah so instead of pumping me up a little bit he fucking, you know, he started telling me things I was doing wrong. And I was like, what the fuck? But Oops. looking, but looking back now, right? He, it was, it was right in my mind. Yeah. I think it's one of those things that once, once you're older, um, it, you're, it fucking matters, right? Like I'm reading that Goggins book right now. He talks about it where he's like working his dick off for his grandpa, who's like a fucking military guy. Zero thank yous. Not even a fucking smile. Not even an acknowledgement really get the job done properly and then when he's older he appreciates it right exactly you know you don't yeah. appreciate that with shit when you're younger you're fucking retard when you're it, fucking 12 yeah it, right you're, you're fucking yeah you're clueless when you're a fucking 12 year old boy it's true 
it's and it's what like I remember riding home in the back seat of our fucking eighty eight Caprice Classic, and I'm just like, what the fuck do I have to do? But now I look back and I'm like, yeah, I'd probably do the same fucking thing, right? Yeah, yeah, you it's would, it's sure. maybe it's terrible to say, but fuck it. I was grown, I was raised with tough love. I'm not, you know, if someone comes up and tells me I'm a fucking bag of shit or they don't like that, I don't give a fuck. That's no. your opinion, right? Like I just. I'm not, I don't get all fucking whiny and pouty when somebody tells me I did something wrong. I find a way to fucking fix it. I love that you said that. And we were talking about it earlier. I didn't really go too far into it, but it, um, Hockey Canada has parents take that course, parents respect in sport. Oh, yeah. Um, and I think it's geared towards the, like complete fucking lunatic father, generally, usually the father, right? Yeah. Who's just a fucking head case, like screaming and yelling at their kid if they didn't play well and like overboard, right? Yeah, cool. I get it. You're not fixing those people. They're just pieces of shit, in my opinion. But the biggest part of the course that you're forced to take is to t- teach your kids that losing is okay oh, and how to hug God. them and coddle them and fucking like I'm halfway through this course and I'm looking at Jen. I'm like, I'm fucking getting angry. <laughs> this course that I'm forced to take is making me fucking angry. Yeah, I I can't fucking look at my child and be like, losing is okay. And and then I got so fired up. I'm like, babe, winning's fucking everything. It is. At least to start, right? Yeah. And I don't know if that sounds completely insane. I think it's, I don't know, fuck. I think maybe we were raised the same, but winning is fucking everything. And then at least strive for it. You can't, you're not going to win everything. I played fucking on a team that I think won like one game. Right? Yeah. You learn how to how to lose graciously, but you're fucking horny as fuck to win. Yes. Right? Like whether it's sport or school or your job or your marriage or your fucking as parenting, like... What the fuck is this like coddling? Oh, it's garbage. It's um, and and I mean I get it. Like you know, the the younger ages, you know the 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 first year timbits we'll call it. I don't even know what the fucking age yeah, levels timbits, are called yeah. anymore. I get it. You want them to learn the fundamentals: skating, stick handling, hand like moving the pot, whatever. And maybe you don't need to keep score. When they're that, when they're that young, maybe I don't know. I'm undecided. See, I don't have kids, so it's hard for me to say. Yeah, they want to know the score. They they come off the ice. They're like, "Did we win? Well, what was the score?" They they want to win. It's fucking funny. Without even really teaching them that they need to or want to win or or be competitive, we got this thing upstairs. You know the super deaker? Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. So people who don't know what fuck I'm talking about, it's like a whiteboard. It looks like a rink from above. But kids can stick handle over top of a flashing light, and every time the puck goes over, you 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 basically your points get higher and higher and higher. Right. right. Yeah. So Blake is crushing it. It was a Christmas gift. So he's fucking every day. He would play probably a hundred times, two hundred times. He's got a better score than me. It's fucking. It's, it's, <laughs> oh, it doesn't right. Well, I used to me. fight a lot, a lot, but whatever. <laughs> Fuck off, right? <laughs> but Riley was starting like getting down on herself because. He was kicking the shit out of the whole family. He'd chirp us. He's a fucking shit talker. He's five years old. <laughs> but I'm like, right, it's well, because you're not practicing. I'm not like, ah, you fucking piece of shit. You suck. It's like, no, you're not practicing. Yeah. So your score is not as high as Blake's. Yeah. Right. And then all of a sudden, she sort of like fucking went off. And, and now she's crush, crushing it. But she finally realized, okay, well, fuck, now I need to start practicing. And now she's got the drive to beat her own score. So winning. Yes. Like winning doesn't have to be beat your brother. Who's, yeah. Who plays it fucking 12 hours a day. Yeah. Right. But winning for her, like she'll beat her score and she'll be running around the house giving us hugs. She's yeah. so proud of herself because she yeah. won. Well, they find it like they find, yeah, they find it within themselves. 
and they 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 find a way to to set their own goals, right? Yeah, plain and simple. Yeah. So yeah, but it um, I had to do, and I, I don't know if it differs if you're like I had to do the respect in school in sport as a coach. I don't know if it's the same, but I've heard that version's a little different too. But there's there's a lot of things that I had to read and watch and listen to in that too that I almost threw my fucking laptop through the wall. I was like, like come on, people, like. But you're right. What has happened is there has been a handful, probably more, of lunatic fucking hockey fathers or hockey mothers. Hockey mums can be fucking worse than yeah. the dads well, that, how, that have ruined it for everybody. Yeah. How long have you been coaching the Bruins now? Uh, this is my fifth season. And, and were you coaching like minor hockey before that? I coached minor hockey out in Alberta. Okay. Yeah. So you would like, like this is my first year as a parent. I think I'm going to have a hard time only with more the maybe the lack of competitiveness, at least in like just trying to push your kid to yeah. like whether it's karate or gymnastics or whatever the fuck our kids are into. I just want them to try hard. And at one point fall in love with one sport and that's it. Yeah. And then don't, yeah. you don't have to fucking go to the NHL. I don't care about that. I was lucky. Yeah. My dad didn't push any of that shit. When I, yeah. when I made the Bruins and he's like, all right, what's it cost? What's the check? I'm like, dad, it's free. He didn't fucking even know I made a junior team. <laughs> Could, right. Didn't have a clue, right? Yeah. Which I loved. And I hope that that carries on to the way that we are as parents. But like, there's still a little bit of like push you got to give these fuckers. Yeah. And and again, every kid wants to go to the NHL. Every kid thinks they're going to the NHL when they're young. And let them dream. Fuck, who cares, right? Yeah. But at the same time, hockey is about, and you kind of alluded to it in your intro there. Hockey is about... Um, there's a lot of, there's a, and, and not hockey in general, sports, we'll say sports. Yeah. There's a lot of learning that goes on. You, you learn a lot about yourself as an individual. You learn a lot about being a good teammate, a good person, a good friend, blah, blah, blah. But the memories and the friendships, and it's like you said, I mean, there was probably a time there for four or five years where you and I didn't speak to one another just because our lives were going separate ways. That's fine. That happens. But when we did bump into each other, it, we picked up right where we left off. That's yeah, the best. Like, like, and there's so many guys like that. I two years ago, I ran up into a guy way up in Apsley, Ontario. His kid was playing a minor hockey game before we went on the ice with the Bruins. I hadn't seen this guy since our first year midget. We played midget together. We played on the same line. Ran into each other. It was just like we were fucking seventeen years yeah, old again. Twenty five years old. And those are the, those are the things that sports develops more than anything else, in my opinion, is fucking friendships and memories. And that's to me, it's like you said. I don't have kids yet, but if I do and when I do, and they play sports, same thing. I just want I want them to have fun. Yeah. And and if they're anything like me, I want them to burn off some fucking energy <laughs> so they're not psychopaths when they come home. Oh, for sure. Yeah. So. For sure. Yeah. So yeah, sorry if that hockey candidate thing got us off on a fucking tangent about all that, but Oh, that's okay. So farming, what's your day like? Like I, I picture you getting up at like four in the morning, fucking milking a cow with your hands. <laughs> and then like I don't know, what else do you like what's the day? Like it's I, I know you're you're busy as shit, right? So what's it what's it like? Well, the one thing about farming is as much as it's the same, every fucking day is different. So uh Right now, this time this time of year, and you and I were kind of talking off air about this. So this time of year, so I always say from like, you know, the 20th of December till about the 20th of March, things are slow. And on the dairy farm, I mean, there's always things to do. We still have to milk cows twice a day. The cows get fed uh, three to four times a day. 
we lay fresh straw down for them so you know they're clean and dry every day there's always things like that going on and then of course this time of year is kind of you know you've got that waterer in the barn that's been leaking for two years and it's and it's like okay you know it's snowing like a prick outside i'm going to go in the barn where it's i'm going to fix that waterer finally there's always shit like that to do so typically uh this time of year you get i get up i'm up uh this time of the year about 20 after five every morning quarter after five usually in the barn by 5 30 um my dad and either my brother or we have a hired man they're already milking i don't i don't milk cows um i do everything else and i'll get into it so i don't have to be there as early as them which is great um i get there i do a lot of the feeding um the way it works on our farm for feeding cows all their feed goes into a giant tub and then it gets mixed up and then it gets dispersed to them so i mix all the feed i uh bed up all the barns which essentially just means you go in the barns you lay down fresh straw for them keep the animals clean and dry especially this year when it's kind of it's been a shitty shitty winter right it's been cold and damp when it's damp that's unhealthy for animals it's unhealthy for us too right so if they don't stay dry they get they're all sick you're fucking needling them with antibiotics like you're just you're trying to keep them healthy right um and then you know you kind of do whatever that that usually takes us we're usually done what we'll call morning chores about 8 8 30 i'll go home plow through some fucking breakfast and then i come back after breakfast and and it's like i said maybe i got maybe i got to change the oil in a tractor maybe i got to fix that water bowl maybe i've got a salesman coming to sell me something that I'm just going to be like, thanks for your time, but no. Um, and then, you know, about 1230, I usually go home for lunch this time of year, ram a couple fucking hot dogs down my yap. And, uh, and then I always, this time of year, I'm not going to lie. I bang out a quick half hour nap at lunchtime. It's amazing. Usually. And then, uh, back outside. And you know what? Um, my dad has a wood furnace in his house, so maybe I'm helping him cut wood. Again, maybe I'm fixing a piece of equipment or whatever. We also have a trucking business on the side, my brother and I. So um, I get hired by grain elevators in the area to truck uh, wheat, corn, or soybeans. And it's typically down to the port of Hamilton. All right. And the reason it goes down there is because it's it's a port. A lot of stuff, a lot of Ontario's crop goes to the port of Hamilton, gets loaded on a boat, goes up to St. Lawrence or across Lake Erie or wherever, to, to wherever, wherever it's being sold to. I And that's above my pay grade, so I can't answer that question. But So some days I'm, some days I'm on the road with the truck. And then again at 4.30 uh, in the afternoon, we milk the cows again. Same thing, milk them, uh, feed them, you know, shuffle some cows around, make sure uh, some cows can't, can't stay in their stall all night just because maybe they got bad, it's just like a human, they got bad hips or bad knees or something and they can't lay down and get back up. So, you know, you put them out in what we call a big loafing pen where it's just free range. They can just do as they're not tied up or anything. Um, Shuffle some cows around and that's it. Um, But in the summertime, holy fuck. Summertime is wild, man. Like I can be up at four four o'clock. I can be up at four thirty. Could be five. Could be five thirty. Um, same thing. I typically get up, bed up some barns, mix some feed, and then I'm pretty much gone to the field for the day. Whether it's haying season, planting season, 
Um, I, I spray all the, I do all our crop spraying on our farm and the best time to spray is when it's not windy. So that's first thing in the morning, right? Or, or late in the evening. So I'm always out spraying. And I mean, in the summertime, like I said, you, you pretty much spend your whole day in or on a tractor or a truck. And some days I'm home at 6 PM. Some days I'm home at fucking 10 PM. Because you're all you're just fighting you're fighting the weather. It's all about fighting the weather, right? So yeah, it's like I said, every day we're all I'm always farming, but I'm doing something different every day. So the field stuff is that to grow crops to feed your cows, or is it to like sell to other people? Or can I come there and buy some fucking? I don't know. Obviously, I don't need to buy some fucking hay. But like, <laughs> do you sell? Like, can I come buy corn or any of that shit? No, because. So, so our crops, yes, we grow enough crop to keep our herd of cattle fed. So we milk 80 cows, but we have about 140 to 150 cows, uh, on the farm all the time. So that's young stock, old stock, what we call, um, what we call dry cows. So what we do with a cow is when she calves, she starts giving milk, right? So this is called her lactation. And I don't know the numbers right off the top of my head because I don't do a lot of the genetic work, the breeding and stuff. My dad and my brother look after that. But I think what we do is we milk a cow. Her lactation lasts for about, uh, I want to say about 310, 320 days. And then we'll do what we call, we dry her off. We dry her up. So we change her diet so that she essentially quits producing milk. And what has also happened during this stage is is she's gone into heat and we've got her pregnant. Okay, not personally, but like <laughs> artificial insemination, right? <laughs> we don't... Well you, well, you could bring like a fucking, what, a bull into fucking, I guess? Yeah, we could. We don't keep any bulls on site just because they're so, fucking dangerous. Yeah, eh? They're dangerous. So you fucking come with like a giant fucking, like needle of fucking jizz? Like, yeah, pretty... Yeah, in, in, in layman's terms, Cole's notes, yeah, a big fucking jizz needle. And, uh... You stick your arm up their uh, twat there. And I don't know. I've never done it. Like, again, my dad and my brother do it. And then underneath your arm, it's a long rod. It's like, I don't know, 24 inches long. And you put a straw. It's, it's, you put the straw of semen in this gun fucking thing. So it slides in right under your arm, right? So you use your arm to just open up her cervix and shit. And then flip, flip, you just shoot this jizz into her and Bob's your uncle. Oh, I'm a fucking juvenile, dude. I'm fucking crying. But, um, so yeah, so so now she's pregnant. So the reason we dry her off is we turn her out into another barn. She's not tied up into her stall or She has free range. She has free range of feed. She has free range of just, she's just allowed to be a fucking cow, man. Just go out and be a cow. But it takes all the stress off them because when they're in their lactation, that can be stressful for them, right? Like, as, as healthy as it is for them, it's also stressful for them. So it takes all the stress away from them so they can properly nurture and grow that calf that they're pregnant with. And then when she calves out again, then another lactation starts. Fucking wild. Yeah. That's wild. So there's a lot of like, on a, on a, on a dairy farm, which is different than a beef farm, like you always see in the kids' books and stuff. Oh, it's springtime. It's calving season. All the cows are having their calves in the spring. Not on a dairy farm. You calve cows all year all year round because you have to keep cows. Because as you dry, so let's say you dry two cows up. 
essentially you want to bring two cows into the milking herd. So you got to have that constant rotation of cows coming in and out. I see. So you've got like 150 ish cows, but right. only so many are that's in, right in the milking process. Yeah, and and birth. yeah, and some of them are like so. Like when I say we milk 80, so those are 80 cows that are in their lactation. The rest of the cows, the young stock, they're not old enough to be bred yet, but they will be. Right. So you keep them, you grow them. You, they they eventually they move their way in. The older cows they move their way out to the slaughterhouse or market, or we sell them to other farmers or whatever. But then, yeah, you have that group of what we call dry cows and they're the ones that are there. They've been bred or whatever. They've been milking for a year or two, but they're the ones that rotate back into the herd. Yeah. Got you. If there's a lot of management that goes into just the genetics and the breeding of not only dairy cattle, but cattle in general. It, it is such a fine science. It, it would, if I knew more about it, I'd get into it, but I... I just don't deal with that stuff. It's not one of my jobs on the farm, but it would, the management and the science that goes into it would blow your fucking mind. Really? Eh? Yeah. So where, where does the milk go? And, and a biggest part of our brand and our, what we want to do is help grow small business. And it, within that, for some reason, I believe farms are in that, which they probably should be. So how do we support you guys? If we can't come buy shit directly, I'm guessing the milk's got to go somewhere. So yep. where, where do we go to buy Coxie's milk? Well, um, so what happens is, is every other day, uh, the milk truck comes up, Tom, the milk truck driver, beauty, just rips, darts, rocks, cowboy boots, swears like a sailor. Great fucking guy. Great guy. He uh, comes and he picks up our milk. So every other day we are shipping approximately 4,400 liters of raw milk. So it gets picked up by the milk truck. Now where it goes varies from day to day week to week month to month it's just whoever so the the dairy farmers of ontario which is a you know the business that kind of say they manage our milk and our marketing for us they sell all the milk to whoever needs it so it could be kortha dairy in bob cajun right it could be saputo down in trenton um could be nielsen's in toronto could be beatrice in toronto it's just whoever's buying milk at that time and whoever's got milk to supply. And of course, naturally, um, like even the transportation costs come into it, right? Because it's cheaper, say, for Kortha Dairy to buy three trailer loads of milk from this area than it is to buy three trailer loads of milk from the Windsor area because they have to pay that transportation fee, right? So it's just, and I don't, I don't know the whole goings on behind that selling our milk, but... If you go into a grocery store and you want to, say, support Coxland Farms, you pick up your liter of milk, your jug of fucking yogurt, whatever it is, and you look on that label and somewhere on that label, there's going to be what we call the little blue cow. And it'll say, um, you know, product of Canadian dairy farmers or Ontario dairy farmers or whatever. Sometimes that little logo is black as well. It's either black or it's blue. But any dairy product, cheese, yogurt, fucking whipped cream, for you and the missus there, right? <laughs> um, <laughs> milk, anything. If you want to support local dairy farms, you look for that blue logo and it'll say it right on the package. Um, that is the best way because it's actually, it's illegal for us to sell raw, unprocessed milk. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I've had lots of people ask me because it is... It comes out of the bulk tank at like four and a half percent, but it's not pasteurized. It's not dirty milk. 
Like it's like we have to meet a certain criteria. Our milk is tested. We have to meet a certain criteria for basically for bacteria in our milk. If our bacteria get too high, they can reject our milk. Okay. My parents drink milk. I don't. Um, I can't tell you why. I think it is because I see it in its raw form. Right. And again, it's not that it's dirty. It's just, it's, it's I don't know. That's one of those things. Can't do it, Fuck. man. So you've never had like milk and Oreos? No. Holy shit. No. Like I've like milk in my cereal. Yeah. A glass of milk. I haven't had a glass of milk in probably 20 fucking years. Holy shit. Yeah. I don't, I don't drink as much as I, I did when I was younger. Like, but yeah, like you remember when you're like a teenager, you're having like 14 bowls of cereal a day. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like fuck. But, but it is, but the raw milk is, it's so fucking good for you. Really? It's so good for baking too. Cause it's so, there's so much, well, it's like four and a half, five percent. There's so much cream in there. Right. Um, and all the, all the, the raw, like the, the bare bone vitamins, calciums, all that is in that raw milk. So when they pasteurize it, I mean, it's still good for you, but some of that stuff is just, it's just taken out or it's watered down or whatever, right? It's probably just like when, when mothers breastfeed or exactly or parent people, like, you know, parent all, people, all the parents yes. breastfeed. Yeah. Fuck Let's off. not. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Fuck whatever. That's, that's another conversation. Yeah. Oh, here's another one. Actually, if, if, uh, like if we can't support you directly or whatever, who's your favorite fucking local farmer? Where I can go grab a bunch of fucking meat or bacon or whatever the fuck, right? Like, yeah, um, fuck. They, and you know what? In this Oxbridge area, we're we're lucky. Like, there's a good. I mean, there's there's Willow Tree Farm. They're out on Reach Street, out between Oxbridge and Port Perry. They're almost in Port Perry, and I fucking hate Port Perry again. <laughs> another fucking. It's an old hockey rivalry. Yeah. But I mean, local meat, local produce, baking. Um, you can go out there, unbelievable selection, reasonable prices, close to home, right? Um, you can go north of north of town on Durham One, a uh, place called Tyndall's Farm Market. Uh, they don't sell any meat, but they are a produce farm. They're a vegetable farm. All right. They sell all their own vegetables. Um, there's arts and crafts in there. She does, uh, Karen, uh, the owner, and her husband, Ryan, they do all their own baking. You can go in there and buy a pie. You can buy fresh muffins, a uh, fucking bag of carrots, like all from their farm. Um, as far as meat goes, uh, strictly speaking, beef. There's Headwater Farms just just up here. Like I can see the farm from here, from your house, pretty oh, much. Really? And they specialize in Wagyu beef. That's the that's like a when you go out and it's like a fucking really expensive piece of meat, right? Oh yeah, it's like like a, like three hundred bucks for a twelve ounce steak. What the fuck's so good about it? It's the marbling, it's the tenderness of it. It's oh, it's fucking good stuff. But what I will say about the wagyu, and again, it's Headwater Farms. You can you can look them up. They've got a website, headwaterfarms.com or whatever it is. But the thing about wagyu beef, I've had it. It's fucking good. It's good beef, but. I'm not good enough at cooking steak to get the best out of it. Do you know what I mean? So it's like a waste. If, if you went to a really good steakhouse and spent that 300 bucks on a Wagyu steak, you'd be like, holy fuck. That's like, that was worth it. You can actually get their products at as well. Um, they have a burger on the menu at the Underground Burger Bar, I believe it's called, in Newmarket. So Headwater Farms has their own Wagyu burger on that menu. Um, 
There's Clark Clark Lynn Farms just north of Oxbridge here, again on Durham One. They uh, they butcher cattle. They sell their beef privately, right? You just you get a hold of them through Facebook. They have a Facebook page, Clark Lynn Farms. You can you can talk to Brad and Marcy, and you can order some beef through them. Um, there's lots of places. There's there's it's, it's countless. But as as far as um, pigs are about the only one that I don't know where you can. There's not there's about two pig farmers in the in the in the area. Really, one guy, um, old school guy. I think he just I don't know what he does with his pigs. Um, and then the other guy, he's more of a. I hate to I hate to use this term, but he's more of a commercial guy. I mean, he's got, and I shouldn't I shouldn't say it, but his pigs are more. They go to like Maple Leaf Foods or or places like that on a mass. You know, he'll ship fifty sixty pigs at a time. Instead of just taking one or two pigs to the slaughterhouse. Okay. Um, so as far as as far as pork goes, I'm not a hundred percent sure, but I mean locally, just get on um, just get on the Uxbridge Facebook page, and there's always people advertising their farm fresh stuff. Um, eggs. There's eggs just up the road here at Tribbling Farms on Concession Six. They have a little stand at the end of their driveway, and in the summer. You can buy sweet corn there. Uh, they've got strawberries in the ground now. You can buy potatoes. Um, eggs, carrots, it. celery, you name it. They've got it all. And it's just on the honor system too. So, no way. Yeah, it's Love just it. on Small the honor town. system. Yep. Small town. That's not, that's not yep. in Toronto, I don't think. I actually, there's a guy that, there's a neighbor of mine and him and I were always fucking around with each other. And I went down to Triblings one time and I got a dozen, a dozen fucking sweet corn, right? It was like eight bucks or whatever it was. So I paid the eight bucks. But I also had a piece of paper in my truck and I said, I owe you for like three dozen cobs of corn. And I stuck it in their fucking honorary box. And I put my neighbor's name on it because him and I are always fucking with each other. So for the longest time, because we're all neighbors, right? The, everybody was trying to figure out who the fuck left this IOU. Well, it was me. None of them are, I mean, I'm going to I'm gonna direct them to this podcast. None of them know it was me, but. Uh, How the fuck they don't peg it as. The, you being the one is hilarious. Yeah, it's they just, know it's you. Yeah, they, they do, but they know. just they've never called me on it, so that's fine. I'm I'm here for it. Yeah, that's fucking awesome. In terms of the spring, and you know I had to go there because I'm fucking going the direction that I'm going here. That's fair. I read a bunch of shit on the Canadian government website that concerns me as a non-farmer that they are going to lower the amount of fertilizer and nitrogen that you guys can use by around 30 to 40 percent by 2030 right yeah so when i'm reading this they're in writing saying that it's going to really affect your yields like basically how much crops you can grow yeah uh, like the the amount of it's going to go down by that amount of percentage yeah and in there they're basically saying they're aware that you guys are going to lose money as farmers and it's going to impact you guys financially but don't worry we're going to be here to help you Uh, by whether it's technology, I'm not really sure how the fuck that works in terms of growing shit, um, but in subsidies, blah, blah, bullshit, right? Yeah. So my biggest thing is, like, fuck this. If if you guys are going to be losing money or you can't run a farm properly, you're going to be in the hole every year. My biggest concern is to protect or at least advocate for farmers because if you can't, number one, make a living, where the fuck is our food going to come from if you can't yeah. 
you know, use the fertilizer, which all everything I've read, as long as you don't use it improperly or or whatever, everything's fucking fine, right? Yeah. But if all of a sudden we're going to be out of food, right? I don't want to be a fucking vegan. I don't want to eat bugs. <laughs> no. I lo- I eat fucking steak probably twice a week. Yeah, like a man. Chicken the other two, you like him exactly, right? That's my big, my biggest concern is, and I was reading this, and I'm gonna fucking put the link on the show notes for everybody to read because I think it's fucking super important to to read, especially yeah. because if this happens, so I don't know where the fertilizer comes from, but if we can all just say go fuck yourself and continue to use it, all of the farmers I would pray do this because, well, fuck it. After the last three years, if we haven't realized that if you can't provide for your family or make your living because of something that they're doing i just think we should just say go fuck yourself yeah so this has been this has been a fucking long drawn out conversation um and first things first i have i have fuck do i have a i have a theory and it's pretty cut and dry actually on all this government uh red tape that they're throwing at the farmers um but the government was at least smart enough to say they're not they don't want to decrease our nitrogen usage they want to decrease our nitrogen emissions by 30%. Now what strikes me is these fuckers in office and there's the old saying and I think it was um I think it was Franklin Roosevelt possibly who said it's very easy to be a farmer when you're 100 miles from a cornfield and your plow is a pencil. Meaning, yeah, meaning that unless you're a farmer, shut the fuck up. Let the farmers do, like, do what they do best, right? Yeah. Plain and simple. Yeah. And um, the thing of it is, is this, this, this fucking liberal government we've got, all like my theory is this. Fuck, I, I, I'm so... This gets me fucking fired up, man. My theory is this. I'm a believer, and people can say what the fuck they want about me. I don't give a fuck. It's a beautiful thing. I'm involved in the industry for generations like we talked about. I think that the, the government we have in power now wants to control the farmers. Therefore, they control the food. Therefore, they control the people. And we discussed it a little bit on my last podcast, actually, about even chemtrails. You know, are they trying to filter the sun? Are they trying to limit our growing capabilities? Is that that plane, the plane lines? Yeah. That is okay. Yeah. Yeah. Are they trying to grow, um, limit our growing capabilities by um, uh, turning down the sun, for lack of a better term, right? And now this fertilizer thing. But the thing is, these fucking ding-dongs they think that we're grossly overusing nitrogen and any other fertilizers for that matter whether it's uh phosphate sulfur magnesium uh potash you name it they think we're grossly overusing it they think we're just out there having fucking fertilizer fights right (laughs) like just whipping fucking fertilizer at each other well i'm here to tell you it that's not fucking happening well, just in simple terms, if I if I fuck up the meter on my little fucking fertilizer push cart thingy, I burn my fucking grass. There you right? go. So I I believe you're you're trying to use it correctly, or else you fucking so, wreck all your shit. Well, we're so there there is um, and it and it's hard to get into actual hard numbers, and the reason for that is is because 
I have fields. Okay, let's say let's say I have fifty fields. Okay, uh, on my farm management scale, I have fifty fields. Out of those fifty fields, as far as um, soil health, what's in the soil? Nutrients, bacteria, uh, nitrogens, minerals, whatever. No two fields will be the same. Okay, not not a single one. So farmers actually more or less come up with prescriptions for almost every field that they plant. So field A gets a different fertilizer blend than field B, which is different than field C, field D, so on and so forth. Because every field takes needs something different, okay? The cost of fertilizer has tripled in the last, well, it's really taken off since this whole fucking money laundering scheme in Ukraine. Amen. Right? It's it's real, and why? Because Russia supplies the majority of Eastern Canada with our nitrogen, and it's the cheapest, like the cheapest place to get that. Correct. Correct. I, I read that. Yeah, it is. Yeah, correct. For for Eastern Canadian farmers, there are some nitrogen uh, plants in Western Canada. But to get that stuff all the way over here, it's extremely expensive. It's difficult to transport uh, by rail and such because it is so, uh, I don't want to say deadly. It's not deadly. It's just, it's a dangerous product oh, to transport, right? Yeah. Plain and simple. But this is what people don't understand either is that if the cost of nitrogen has tripled, we have to find a way as farmers we can't just go, we just can't go fuck, oh, fuck it, it tripled. We'll just buy the same amount anyways. No, that we're running fucking businesses here. We have to find ways to cut our costs. So, you know, if, if, if one field calls for a ton of nitrogen per acre, then that's what it gets. It's not like, ah, fuck it, you know what, just throw a ton and a half on. That That's hundreds of thousands of dollars difference. And I'm guessing it's taken you years to, like, field a b c you've probably figured out over fucking a long amount of time the perfect number for that field to correct properly yes so you can fucking produce something and yeah. make money and make a living but fertilizer is an extremely expensive input cost we're no different than any other business we don't just fucking rifle money around because we feel like it we still we have to be sustainable but the other issue is too is that the government doesn't realize that farmers do have the technology and it's all electronic now. It's it's actually pretty fascinating and it I could get into it, but I'm not that smart. But it 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 progresses leaps and bounds every year. But I can take my corn planter out to a field and I can punch in my prescription into the control box of my corn planter. And I have my GPS screen and I can bring up that field map right on the GPS screen. And that field will actually be mapped out with, okay, the northeast corner is very deficient in phosphate or pardon me, phosphorus. Um, the middle of the field needs more nitrogen, so on and so forth. As I make my trips across the field, the corn planter and that GPS map will speak to one another and it'll turn the speed up on the nitrogen tank it'll turn the speed down like we are using what they call variable rate planting systems now personally on our farm we're not using it just because our equipment isn't capable of it it's expensive to upgrade i bet we just haven't got there yet someday we will but farmers are doing that 
Okay, farmers are finding other ways of finding nitrogen, whether it's through a cover crop. So when uh, we harvest our soybeans in September, some guys will go out and they'll they'll plant crops, whether it's um, a vetch, a cereal rye, sunflowers, um, tillage radishes, so on and so forth. These are plants that are designed, they, they do a job. So tillage radish, for instance, tillage radish grows extremely deep into the ground, fractures the hard pan, okay? So that's be better for uh, water escape. Now everybody's going to say, well, but don't you want to retain water? Well, yeah, but to a point, right? You don't want your fields flooded out, Yeah. right? <coughs> Pardon me. But what they'll also do is, because they grow so deep, they will harvest, those roots of that tillage radish will harvest any nitrogen, phosphorus, sulfur, magnesium, whatever, that have escaped the seed bed, so where the plant sets its roots in. And it will bring them back to the surface, right? Because they will travel up the plant, will terminate the plant. The plant will lay on the ground and it'll break down, but all those things will go right back into the top of the soil where all the growing is done. There are ways that farmers are are finding ways to reduce their use of nitrogen. We were doing this on our own already because it is such an expensive input. But your fucking buddy, JT, <laughs> is so fucking blind and ignorant that he fails to... Un he, he does not talk to the farmers. Our own MP, our, our, in our, for our oh, Jennifer O'Connell... She doesn't even fucking know where Uxbridge is. No. I know several farmers in the area, including myself, that have reached out to her to talk about fertilizer prices, to talk about the fucking carbon tax. You can't get an email back. You can't get a text, a tweet, a fucking phone call. Well, they zero, want nothing to do with the farmers. Zero accountability. And the thing of it is, is I don't want to go out and say that Canada could be completely sustainable agriculturally. And what I mean by that is... I'm not 100% sure Canadian farmers could feed all the Canadians. I don't know that stat. We could be very fucking close if they would just let us do what we want, like what we want, what we know, and what we're capable of fucking doing. You mean like let the experts decide what to do? Yes. It's a fucking crazy idea. Like it's, I have a hard time when, and it doesn't happen often, but there has been times. I have a hard time when a government official comes into our farm and tries telling me, my dad, and my brother what we're doing wrong, what we should be doing better, what this field needs, what this field doesn't need. Meanwhile, my dad has farmed that field right there, field A. Dad has farmed that field for 50 fucking years. That's like telling a, uh, a shoemaker who's been making shoes for 50 years and has a viable, sustainable business, has been in business for himself since for 50 years, that he's doing it all wrong and he needs to change. Yeah, like, Why John, is... like John in town. Imagine going to fucking tell John, fucking they're like free plug, great guy, go buy your fucking shoes at the shoe store yeah. in town. Like, what the fuck? What, but, but, and I, I hate to slander um, consumers and I hate to slander the general public, but the general public allows the government to tell us farmers what to do and how to do it. Why? We're feeding you. We're literally fucking feeding you. You can have a garden in your backyard, rapper, and I fucking hope you do, and I hope you grow luscious fucking tomato plants. I really do. That's the plan now. 
But at the end of the day, you can't put chickens back there. You can't put cows. You can't put goats or a pig. You can't feed your entire family without a farmer. No. And and I really hope everybody listening, share the fuck out of this, by the way, because this is a super important conversation. I feel if if you can hear the passion (laughs) in Coxie's voice and backed by experience of four, five, six fucking generations. Guys, how the fuck are we going to eat? It Exactly. Like it's, and, and, and again, like I say, I, I don't, I mean, we depend on consumers, but why, why is the rest of the world telling the people that feed you how to do their job so we can feed you? It's ass backwards. It's very ass backwards. It, yeah. it just, it, I can't, I cannot wrap my head around. And I've always said, if you have questions regarding agriculture, the pract- agricultural practices, what we're doing, uh, what we're using, anything, instead of getting your information from Google or fucking Facebook, I know in this area specifically, you could drive in any farmer's driveway, any farmer, and you could ask them questions you want to know. And they will gladly have a conversation and try to educate you on it. If they don't have the answers, they can point you in the direction of somebody that does. But nobody's willing to talk to the farmers. No, definitely not, JT. No. And the, the, well, fuck, the main reason why I asked you this question, you'll actually fucking die laughing. You know that Jen and I just went to Cabo. Right. At the Ryu. And it's like day three or four. And we're starting to realize that everyone we talk to is a fucking farmer. <laughs> so we actually, we met these bunch of, this awesome group. There's like 10 or 12 people. They're from Pleasant Lake, Indiana. Okay. A bunch of farmers. Yep. Right. And I was also talking to another group from Michigan. And within this conversation, we're learning that in that area, I believe it was more Michigan, but there's a farm that has three streams running through it and something to do with like hot water, cold water. Then the third one, I can't fucking remember what it was. But the government there has thrown this brand new fish into the water and now yelling at the farmer who owns that fucking stream that they can't use their own water because it's killing the fish, which are actually not dying. So the, it's the, the same thing is happening down there. And so I heard this story. I'm like, fuck. I'm pretty sure that's what they're doing up north too. But it's fucking wild. It's, um, yeah, it's... Uh... $10,000 a day fines if they if they overuse their water. $10,000 a fucking day. Well, you see and this is what I mean. So if this if this farmer you were speaking to if if he's a livestock farmer, how the fuck is he supposed to water his animals if he can't use the fucking water? Like this is what I mean. They're grossly handcuffing us. Every direction you turn, we see red tape. And and I'll even use the carbon tax, okay? Chicken and pig farmers this time of year they have to heat their barns. Chickens and pigs cannot survive without heated barns. You got to pay a carbon tax on that. What do you use? I guess you're using all the oil. Uh, propane. propane. It's usually propane. propane. But there's, there's, a, there's a carbon tax on it. When we harvest our corn, you cannot, I mean, you can. Ideally, you harvest your corn around 19, 20% moisture. Corn will not store at that moisture without going moldy okay so what you do is you run it through a dryer uh it's typically a propane burner or natural gas burner so you run it through this massive corn grain dryer we'll call it a grain dryer 
and you have to get it below 15% moisture. And this is just the kernel we're drying, not the stock. The kernel has been separated from the cob, the stock, everything else. You have to get it below 15% in order for it to store. So they can store it and then it can be shipped for corn flour. It can be shipped to make fucking Corona beer. It can be shipped to make dog food, Mars bars, nail polish, whatever corn goes into, right? We have to pay a carbon tax on the drying costs now. And I don't know if any of you fucking people have looked at your gas bill lately. It's fucking outrageous. Well, it's no different than than having to pay the carbon tax to heat your own fucking home. Yeah. Like what? Like I just I I don't it's again it goes back to my theory. I think this government but I think it's bigger than the government. <laughs> I really do. I think there is a, a group of I'll call them world elites. Yeah. And you know, JT is just a puppet on a string. Oh, buddy, when when JT, who's a fucking complete predator in his own right, fifty year old, whatever the fuck he is, and you have the guy down south who's senile and shits himself, when they do <laughs> yeah, fuck when right? they do the exact same fucking thing at the same time, you got a guy who's fucking senile. He doesn't even know where he is. No fuck. All right. And then you got our guy who's a fucking complete piece of shit, but their playbook is identical. Yeah. Right. And and when those like, it's actually fucking awesome. Jen and I were honor, honorary farmers for the night nice. when they had Good their like you. final bash. It was, there was like 150 farmers. I was right <laughs> in my element. Like yeah. I'm not a fucking farmer, but if I could, I wish I was. Right. And it, it was awesome. But when they're telling me the same shit, I'm like, fuck, this is going on fucking in Canada right yeah. now. Yeah. And then I came home and I read it. I'm going to fucking attach it, man. Everybody needs to start at least paying attention because what happened the last three years, we all fucking know, especially if you follow me, the the next answer is fucking no. If they tell our farmers, you don't get to fucking now make a living or provide food to us as Canadians. Motherfucker, can I take your truck to Ottawa, that new truck you have? <laughs> yeah, we'll go. Well, yeah. I'm fucking Absolutely. going. Absolutely. And like, it, well, you saw what uh, was happening in. Uh, the Netherlands? In the Netherlands, yeah. Like the farmers rose up. I mean, there was complete riots. And I'll tell you what, and this might fucking surprise you. I mean, we're all, we'll all stay, all the farmers will, you know, will stand up, you know, will fight the government if that ever comes. But you know who the most aggressive, the most fucking vicious group of farm lobbyists are? Are the Quebec farmers. Those motherfuckers will have fatigues on. They will, they'll have fucking armored vehicles. Those fuckers will go to war over this. I promise you. People can say what they want about the province of Quebec and hey. the people in it. But those farmers in Quebec, they do not fuck around. The best thing about ha what happened in Ottawa, and fuck you if you think that that was wrong, don't care. The West Coast, like Albertans, like oil yes. fucking patch dudes. Dudes. They met Quebecers. And they were fucking like best friends. Yeah. They tell you, you all hate each other. I don't give a fuck about what a Quebecer thinks about an Albertan or a fucking right. Toronto. I don't give, no one gives a fuck. No. Right. But when you take away all of our shit and you make it so that we can't work, fucking everyone gets along. Oh yeah. And what was painted was complete horse shit. And if mm -hmm. you're, you know, I was thinking about it the other day, if you're a cop and you're still fucking bad mouthing the freedom movement, you're a fucking idiot. And watch <laughs> the, watch the fucking emergency inquiry and listen to all the police chiefs give their fucking testimony. It was a fucking complete joke. And if you went to Ottawa and enjoyed that, fucking shame on you. The, 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 the next farmer thing, I'm a fucking farmer. I'm, I'm going to, again, 
I'm going to be an honorary farmer. <laughs> right and on. I'm going bro. out. Right on. I don't give a fuck. Right on. Well, and it all, you know what? It all started with the GMO thing too. Don't eat GMOs. Fucking GMOs are bad for you. Blah, blah, blah. Barry Monsanto, like all that stuff. What people don't understand is those are genetically modified organisms. What they do, and there's only X amount, not everything is, there's no fucking GMO celery. And it's all about the marketing too, right? You go to the grocery store and you see all natural celery right on the package. Well, compared to what? Fucking test tube celery? Like, I, like what the fuck is fake celery? Like, I don't, it's all natural. But the GMO thing, it used to be 50% of the world fed the other 50% of the world. Okay. Now it's down to like 2% of the world is feeding 98% of the fucking world. Really? Okay. Like, if the numbers are that, there's that much of a differential. But farmers are expected to do so much to feed the fucking world with decreasing availability every day. And what I mean by that mostly is by farmland. All you got to do is look south of here. There is a tract of farmland being developed right now that is a a class tract of land, which means it's the best farm, some of the best farmland in Ontario. They're building fucking houses on it. No doubt. Farmers are, are being forced to do more with less. We have to, we have to modify seed genetics in order to get more. That's what it comes down to. They're not bad for you. They're not, they're not poisoning you. They're not causing fuck. GMOs aren't fucking causing autism. Fuck off with that shit. We have to do, we have, it used to be, you know, you had to feed, and I'm just throwing these numbers out. It used to be you had to take one acre of wheat and you had to feed 50 people. Now you take that one acre of wheat, you have to feed 500 people. Really? So we need that acre of wheat, you know, 50 years ago off an acre of wheat, you might get 35 bushels. Now, just even to break even, and I had this fucking conversation with my banker yesterday, actually, just to break even on an acre of wheat. So not only to say stay sustainable as a farmer, but to help feed the world, I need a minimum of 77 fucking bushels of wheat off one acre. Wow. How the fuck are we supposed to do that without finding the science, finding the ways to modify our seed genetics? It's not bad for us. Fuck off. It's like these people that, oh, there's something in the fucking milk these days because I'm lactose intolerant. Okay, I get it. Some people are lactose intolerant, but... That's probably because you quit drink. Like if I went and had a glass of milk right now, I would shit my fucking guts out. Because you're not used to it. Exactly. Yeah. These people that are lactose fucking intolerant, they probably haven't eaten any dairy because they probably went on some fad diet for a year or whatever. Then they try drinking some milk or whatever and they shit their guts out. No, they're, they're lactose intolerant. No, it's because your body doesn't quit eating McDonald's for, for a year. Yeah. Then go have a Big Mac and see what fucking happens. Well, we can't preach health when fucking so much of society is unhealthy like you can't we can't fuck the farmers you know while trying to preach because they're anti-gmo or health when people are fucking fat fucks who smoke right it's like the seven yeah. mask wearer who, who you run into at so fucking buying a carton of cigarettes 
it's and it it's backwards. The, it's the same vegan that's telling me that growing beef is wrecking the fucking environment, but her avocados for her fucking avocado dip for her veggie fucking crackers get flown in from Argentina on a plane, loaded on a truck in California. That truck goes from California to Uxbridge, gets dropped off in fucking Zares. Like, how's that? How's that saving the fucking earth? Well, I can load it on Gates's private jet that he says not a problem. Oh, fuck, fuck. these fucking cement head fucking <laughs> blind people. Fuck that. That, fertil- that fertilizer question, eh? Oh, it just, shit. Oh, it just, oh, fuck yeah. it. You know what? You're a fucking farmer, and that's our whole thing. We're going to support you. We're well, supporting small business, and if fucking certain people don't like it, but you haven't fucking risked losing your job, then fucking I don't give a yeah. fuck what you think. No, and I appreciate you asking. I appreciate you giving me the opportunity to, to talk about this because there's a lot of people out there that, that there's a huge disconnect between consumer and producer. And I when I say producer, I mean farmer. Whether it's, you know, uh, just a farmer that has a four-acre garden or a farmer that farms 15,000 acres, there's a huge disconnect. The general public has no idea what's going on in the ag world right now. And that's okay. I have no fucking idea what's going on down at Bay Street, right? No. It's 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 fine, but I don't question what they're doing down there because I, I know nothing about it. You want to find out, you want the answers, you want to know what's going on, just talk to a farmer. We'll talk about it all day. You're going to hear some F-bombs. You're going to see a guy get fucking heated and aggressive, but that's because we're passionate about You don't be a farmer without being passionate about what you do. Fuck no. It's an absolute lifestyle. Well, you know what? Where can everybody find you? Because I know, I, and there was the one specifically where you talked to the, the milk guy, or was it egg, the egg one? It was the egg podcast. Um, so I, I, on one of my own episodes, I did the milkman cometh was that's the name the, of the episode. The one. Yeah. And, and that's on the Cox talks podcast, C O X T O X. It's available, Spotify, Apple, Google, oh, anywhere shit. you listen to a podcast, it's available. But the one specific episode that you're talking about, and it talks about the supply management system that we have here for dairy and poultry in Canada. It's called the milkman cometh. And it's pretty educational on, um, on just how our system works because there's a lot of slander towards the supply management system. I don't really want to get into it too much because I can talk about it, but I have a hard time articulating it in a proper way. And I don't want to make our farmers sound like a bunch of idiots. Like that fucking guy on TikTok a couple weeks ago. Did you see him that filmed himself dumping all that milk? Yes, I did see that. What the fuck was that about? So, okay. Oh, fuck. You want to see me get heated up again? Yeah. <laughs> so this fucking guy, um, he goes on TikTok and he puts a video um, of him dumping milk down the drain. Okay. Because he's producing too much milk. And he's blaming the government. He's blaming the dairy farmers of Ontario. He's blaming everybody but himself because he dumps roughly... 30,000 liters. And this is what he said in his own fucking video. So I'm not pulling this out of my ass. And you could see it happening. He dumps roughly 30,000 liters of milk down the drain a year. So is that a waste of food? Is it a shame? 100%. Absolutely. In Canada, we have supply management. We have a quota system. You're only allowed to produce the amount of milk that you have the quota for 
if I and there's a whole formula on a math formula on how you um, figure out your quota allowance. So we own on our farm, I think it's roughly 80 kilograms of quota. There's a mathematical equation that gets your liters of milk converted into kilograms. I don't fucking know it. Not a math guy. Okay. So this guy, long story short, is grossly overproducing. Grossly. It's called supply management. Fucking manage it, bro. So he's just fucking making too much on purpose to have a fucking meltdown on the internet? Or he just doesn't More or less, it? yeah. But there's also there's also the, the big dick concept, right? He could be one of these guys that is milking, I think he said he's milking 260 cows. Um, he could be one of these guys that milks that many cows just so he can say... I milk 260 cows. So he, so his dick's fucking like this, right? So he's over milking the cows. He's he over milking them. Fuck, so he's, titties he's, are just fucking. Well, he's, he's, uh, he's milking too many cows, first of all, for what he has quota for. He's probably, by the sounds of it, I mean, he's got them on a really good diet nutritionally. They're very healthy cows because they're producing a fuckwad of milk. But he also doesn't have enough quota. So he's got three options. He can sell some cows. He can change his uh, his feed ration to to drop the yield a little bit on his on his milk production, or he can fucking go and buy more quota. But instead, he goes and he calls out everybody under the sun, but himself for poor management. <coughs> Pardon me. Calls out everybody but himself and makes the rest of us dairy farmers look bad because the media picks it up that that Canadian dairy farmers are dumping milk. And all of a sudden, we're the bad guys because he claims, uh, well, this was the other false thing he said in his video was that milk is $7 a liter. Where the fuck are you buying milk for $7 a liter? No, I think it's like six bucks for four liters or something, isn't it? Yeah. So that's the other thing he threw out. So then, you know, social media, all these fucking... Uh, well, that looks like you guys are ripping off people. Absolutely. Or they'll blame you. They're, they're right? blaming us. And the other thing I'll say... And I'll just use dairy farmers because that's what I kind of specialize in, sort of. We do not set store prices. The grocers set store prices. If if a couple weeks ago, I think milk went up 2% on the shelves. It Yeah, it, price increased by 2%. Of that 2%, I, as a dairy farmer, got a raise of seven cents per liter that's it so if milk went up two percent let's say milk went up two bucks i only saw seven cents of the two bucks so don't fucking go blaming the fucking farmers no <clears throat> but back to the question the cox talks podcast any platform special episode if you want to know about the dairy industry in canada it's called the milkman cometh fuck yeah and i and if things continue the direction that I think they're going to go based on that that link I'm going to throw in the show notes about agriculture, and it's right on fucking Canada.ca. It's their own fucking writing. So you can't fucking say that this is made up out of thin air. I fucking read it yesterday. Yep. I fucking talked to Americans. They're going through the, through the same shit. Um, you know, I, maybe we'll have to do this again at some point and fucking, you know, the further I get into the, the hockey, par- hockey parenting where I tell my kid that, you know, losing's cool. Yeah, yeah. I'm not fucking doing and uh you know we'll see how it goes but fuck man check out cox talks podcast check out all his shit i'll put all of his links in there fuck buddy i really appreciate it it was fun man listen this is uh this is the first podcast i've been on 
Um, so yeah, I, I, I had a blast. I knew it'd be good. I knew it'd be good conversation. I knew I'd get heated. Um, but I, I appreciate it. I hope the listeners en- enjoyed it and, uh, good luck with this, man. I think, I think you're going to do well with it. I already got my non-negotiable, uh, hat on and, uh, but yeah, thanks for having me, man. It was awesome.